Hi, and you're very welcome to the Women's National League show here on FinalWhistle.ie with myself, Brett Early, and of course, as always, Aaron Clark joining me. Aaron, you're very welcome to the show again this week. Looking forward to it. Packed show ahead, and it's going to be an interesting evening. It's busy, but I think we've got some really, really good guests lined up. Of course, we want to hear from uh, former league winner and cup winner, Shauna Cook, towards the end of the show. We're going to hear also from a similar name, but I believe no relation, uh, Rebecca Cook. Uh, of course, her return to the league uh, over the last couple of weeks, I saw her uh, give a bit of impetus to Bo's challenge as they scored twice from Bambi over the last uh, couple of in the second half of the game the other evening against Pima to take off a pretty historic win at Dalymount Park. And we'll also be chatting earlier in the show to uh, one of the Treaty United hopeful. Uh, they got their season up and running with their first points of the season. First clean sheet and more importantly, a very, very promising performance from a young Treaty United side on Sunday against Sligo Rovers in the Marcus Field. We'll be catching up with Ashley Meany very, very shortly about that. But first, I suppose, Aaron, we'll take a look back towards those games at the weekend. And uh, I suppose maybe you can start with yourself. What was your highlight of the weekend? I know you didn't make it to a game, but you probably looked back at the highlights and kept uh, tabs on what was going on. Yeah, your highlight of the weekend? Probably has to be the one that stands out in, in the Bowes beating, Bowes beating P-Mount. First time Bowes have got a win against the top three sides. They came, you know, they, they got the draw, obviously, against P-Mount and PRL Park. And then to come back from a goal down as well, Two, two good goals as well to, to get a, a historic win. It's probably something that they've been threatening for a while. They've had good performances against the likes of Shells, DLR, but, they, you know, but they've never really got over the line in a big game like this. And it was a big result for me. That's probably the standout result of the weekend. But I think, as we'll speak with Ashland shortly, the Treaty United game as well is a, it's a big point. It's a, it's, a, it's a big moment for Treaty just to break that to break that zero barrier. And I'm glad to see it's, I'm glad to see it's been done. And, you know, it's done sooner rather than later because we didn't want to see that linger on for especially for a young young side of players. Yeah, we've seen clubs in the past in the league, uh, Kilkenny spring to mind, who've who've had bad years and it's just snowballed and snowballed for a couple of years after that. So it's really nice to see them getting off the mark. Uh, and, and but more importantly for me, I think I watched the game in full on Saturday afternoon and I really thought Trey, if one team deserved to win it. And I think a draw was probably fair, but if one team did deserve to win it, I thought Treaty probably were that side and had their chances, even at the feet of Ashling Meany. Uh, very, very late on, she had a chance and it just went wide. We'll talk to her about, her about that later in the show. Um, it was also, I suppose, a, a big game down in Wexford, probably one we tipped as being the, the tie of the, of the game. We didn't quite see that Bohemians result coming, uh, but at Lone Wexford, did it live up to expectations in your opinion? You know, when, when Wexford go 2 and up, you're probably thinking they're just gonna be cruising comfortable and then obviously at long get a goal back and sort of try to make it a bit as a bit of a, a dogfight towards the uh, the end. But you know, Wexford's Wexford when you get when you get tuning up against Wexford, it's 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 always gonna be hard. But for me, Athlone did show good characteristics. I think for Wexford it was probably it was an important win as well, especially with P dropping the points. If they had if they had to drop points themselves, you know, it's a massive massive hole even further opening for Shelburne and I think for Wexford they're the side that now looks as though they're going to press on for, for potentially for second place so they have to just continue to match Shelburne's results and and, and beat them you look, you look at we'll talk about later in the weekend this weekend they match Shelburne's result this weekend then they go in and play them next weekend where it's probably going to be the most important game in the, the league season so for Wexford it was a good win for Athlone it's probably disappointing that that run come to an end. It was going to come to an end some stage, but lots of positives and lots of highs to take out of it. I think they'll go back to the drawing board and they'll they'll look to try and see 
what improvements they can make and they got an opportunity again this weekend to maybe maybe rectify some of them some of the errors and mistakes I suppose the final game of the weekend uh, Cork versus Shelburne kind of went the way people would have anticipated but it's all changing Cork new man in the in the dugout uh, Danny Murphy coming back into the the, the league it has got to be good for for the profile of the sport for the I suppose the enthusiasm around the club for the women's game he brings that kind of gravitas among supporters as well uh, first of all let's talk about the, the actual game itself shells fairly dominant scored early on won the game 4-0 never really looked like being challenged for those three points yeah and we sort of expected to be comfortable enough but the one thing for me roughly is and um, we had the, we had a sort of a, a conversation the weekend another another big decision by officials that sort of maybe marred what was a what was a, a good and comfortable shelburne win Good to see for me, Abby Larkin getting on the score. She considering what she's done against DLR Waves. It was good for her just to get a, you know, get a good, good, solid performance, especially after getting the start from from Noel Sersha Newland's just continue to to increase that form and increase and, and get look better and better as as the weeks go on. She's gonna be a big loss to Shelburne when she does go to Durham and when when the English window opens. I, I assume she's gone after she's gone after the break. So she'd be a big loss, a big loss to them. And it's good to see that goals are coming from from other places as well because that's what's needed in, in terms of a, a Shelburne. But from a Cork point of view, yeah, it's disappointed. It's if you look at four 0 you think probably ugh, it's a, it's a, it's one of them. It's another bad, horrible result. But the news that's come out since is probably better for them. You know, it gives them an opportunity to sort of build that. And you know, you see people coming out and saying it's good. You know, they've got somebody there who's who's who wants to be there. Someone who's got a a passion for Cork as well. I think that's important as well. Maybe doesn't have the experience as much within the national league as say with being a manager in the national league but has a lot of coaching has a good bit of coaching experience and it's gonna try it's gonna try it at, at this opportunity some people say is he using it as a stepping stone to potentially get the men's job down the line i don't care if he comes in and, and is successful for cork nobody's going to talk about whether he gets the men's job down the line if he's successful for cork city women and that can change a lot of people's perspectives you talk to the likes of graham kelly they say once they get into the women's game it's completely different to what they maybe had the expectation and we can potentially lure these coaches to stay in the women's game even on a more permanent basis instead of potentially even switching back so i think it's all good for cork it's it's important now that they, they look at getting some results on, on on the board as the weeks go on but maybe the two games before the window are probably just about him to assess what he's got and see what he what he thinks of certain players and then he can make certain changes as as the window with the window opening before the season resumes of course, there's a couple of girls back on scholarship, uh, or back from scholarships for the summer as well. So they'll get the next maybe maybe eight to nine weeks out of them before they have to go back uh, sometime in August. Uh, I believe most kind of just in the in the build up for for that September start to the season. Uh, in terms of, I suppose we actually I said the final game. It wasn't, of course, the final game. DLR and Galway had a, a matches also on Saturday afternoon. Um, I think we tipped DLR to win this, and it didn't quite materialize like that. Very impressive performance from Galway. They've been solid this season, and they haven't given a whole pile away. Uh, they'll be happy with the three points from that game. But you look at the lot. You look at their the last what five game the last five games. The only points they dropped in the last five games is a draw against Bose in in MDC Park. And I spoke to the Bose camp after I said last week, and they were pretty happy with that result. And to go back up and get a win to bounce back for for Galway is important for for DLR Waves. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a rough and ragged ragged season, you know. They're not getting any sort of consistency going. The worst thing for them is they beat they beat Shelburne and then they go out and lose a couple of nights later and sort of hit one week, miss the other week. That's that's a couple of defeats now on the on the bounce them. And it's sort of 
it's a it's a tough one because you know it doesn't get it doesn't get any easier. I know they have a, a potential game this week that they will be fancying. Treaty United will have their hopes up off the back of last week, so for them it, it's going to be a difficult trip to difficult trip to Limerick. And if they lose again, you sort of have to look at what does Graham Kelly think in that situation because he's he's lost a couple. They haven't strung two wins together since the opening two days of the season and. If you're if you're a DLR West fan and probably a DLR West player at this stage of the season, you're probably very disappointed with the amount of amount of wins that you have, considering they would have been aiming to try and break that top three. Yeah, we we talk about that game uh, Treaty versus DLR at the weekend with Ashling in just a couple of minutes. But before we do, I noticed you got yourself in a bit of bother uh, with a discussion on Twitter during the, over the weekend or uh, with um, a question mark for you over maybe whether it was time. For the payment managers to be feeling a little bit of pressure, you didn't call for their heads. No, you get, that's you definitely got called out for uh, for insinuating certain things. But the funny thing, but the funny thing is, Braffy, and this is the thing that annoys me. And anybody who anybody who knows me, if someone's doing well, I'll praise them. If someone's not doing well, I'll be the first to say thing. But for me, a lot of people talk about the women's national league has to go somewhere, has to go this way, this place, this place. The first thing we need to be looking at is the likes of the comments from Finn Labo when he was England manager. He says, if you're going to criticise my team for when they're when they're not performing well and perform and praise them when they're doing well, do it to the same sort of level if you'd expect from immense. If we want to talk about the league going forward, we have to be talking about these sort of discussions where we're asking the same questions. No, you're right. I didn't call for the head, and I made sure to point that out. I like the lads. I get on well with the lads, but I asked, are they under pressure? No wins in five games from a side that. Looked as though they were home and hoes last year with the league, with with majority of the same squad, bar probably two players. One of them be going to one of them going to England and being praised, being replaced by a, a former Ireland a senior international, who Sean Cook later on will probably tell you is, is one of the best goalkeepers to have graced the women's national league in Nevery Burke. So for me, I it was it, I wasn't surprised to get it, but you know, I just think if we want to talk about the league going forward and, and, and pushing on in teams. We need to make sure if, if we're going to have conversations that we can have conversations on both sides. Like, you know, we praise referees. We we talk about decisions don't go well. We praise players when things go well. We talk about they didn't have a good game. You know, we should be able to have that open and frank conversation. And people, instead of jumping up, people will always jump down your neck and things. And that's that's okay. People are entitled to their opinion. But it's just, you know, if we want to move the league on, we're going to have to see people talking the same way they talk if it was a League of Ireland, a men's League of Ireland club. In terms of, and this will be the last question in this section, but in terms of the pressure that may or may not be felt over in Green Oak, I guess it can't be helped by the announcement last week that Jason Carey has moved just down the road, effectively, to Tala, to Roadstone, to Shamrock Rovers, and what potentially Shamrock Rovers could bring to a WNL party um, 12, 13 years after their last attempt, which didn't end well, but it's a different Shamrock Rovers now in terms of what they could bring to the league, could that be a bigger threat to Piemont rather than who's in the dugouts, whether they might even have a dugout at all in two to three years' time? Well, I know there was discussions about potentially looking at could they could they do something together between Rovers and Piemont. They haven't come to fruition from, from what I've been told and it doesn't look like any sort of deal and that sort of partnership is going to be struck. So, yes, absolutely, it's a massive pressure because Shamrock Rovers have said that they're, they're applying for a licence next year. So, will the FAI want two clubs in, in such close vicinity that's the question. That's the question you've got to ask. Is it a case that they may look at doing a merger with someone else, potentially even at the Arnold Waves? Who knows? But I definitely think Shamrock Rovers are in a much better position this time to come into the league than they were the last time. And if they're going to come in, you'd expect they're going to come in all guns blazing. They're going, 
But the only great the great thing about that is if Shamrock Rovers come in and say, I'm going to do this, this, and this, I've no doubt that I'm going to see Bowes and I'm going to see Shells come back straight away and say, okay, you do that. We'll match that. You know, and we'll put in extra investment into it because they don't want to be they don't want to be left behind either. They want to push forward, and they've done a lot a lot of work. Both of them clubs have in trying to progress on the the women's section. So the only concern about it is if Rovers come in and sort of try to blow the league apart. What does it do for other teams who maybe don't have the bigger financial budgets around the country? It could continue to add to that sort of divide, top bottom half divide. Maybe the FAI just need to be careful, and if we're going to do stepping stones to going forward in terms of semi-professional league, that it's done correctly and no club is is forced to you know maxim over maximize them their, their means yeah i do think uh, i wasn't necessarily talking about one or the other existing i think there's definitely space for both a new shamrock rovers entity and the existing p-mount one my concern would be in two or three years time how attractive are p-mount based on facilities based on uh, everything that goes with that from a player's choice perspective um if they're not competing at the top end of the table like this year I think they were a very different proposition last year or the year before where they're competing for league titles. It's it's uh, it's just when you drop off the pace, everything else starts to become more significant. And, and that's just a concern for, yeah. for the future. I, just, on, just, just on that, I want to point out, there's some absolutely wonderful people involved with P-Mount United have been involved in the club. But my only concern is, and the reason why I said this is because do, will the FAI want to see a fifth Dublin team come, in, come into the league? For me... I don't think we can have another Dublin team at this stage in the moment. At the moment, maybe when we look at the expansion to two divisions as they're looking at by 2025, some more Dublin teams then, but you don't want to have a two Dublin dominant league. That's why when the likes of Sligo come in last year, I was delighted because it had something that's completely out of the way of Dublin. I'd like to see Dundalk come in. I'd like to see clubs down south, clubs down south, another club maybe in the Midlands and along for town. But I do think over time, unfortunately, and I hate to say this, that it may become a basis that the FAI make all clubs have to be partnership with League of Ireland clubs the same way they went with the underage structures. You know, you look at the likes of when the likes of St. Kevin's tried to get in and stuff like that. That's my only concern, and it'll be one to watch. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, let's get back to the actual football of the weekend. So we might just jump straight into our first interview, and that is with uh, the the we call them the bottom club in the league because that's where they are in the league table. But they got their season up and running at the weekend, and uh, here to join us and tell us about it is uh, their returning forward, Ashling Meany. So, Ashling, uh, you're very well, welcome to the show. You're welcome back to the country because I know you're on a scholarship in the States at the moment. How have you been finding life back in the Women's National League? It's been good. It's nice to get back into the swing of things again. Um, it's uh, going back between the States and Ireland. There's always that little bit of a, a difference in the style of play and everything. But um, no, it's been nice. It's nice to be back home again and around family and friends. So yeah, I'm enjoying it at the moment. In terms of the club boys, why treaty? Because a lot of people, when you come back, sort of thought the initial one is going to be Galway. You've had roots there for years. What what attracted you to treaty? What was the, the selling point that made you make that move? Um, so when I was, I've just graduated from the college in America. So coming back, my main goal for coming back to the league was just 90 minutes, getting my 90 minutes like guaranteed every week, just working back to that 90 minutes fitness. So that was kind of the main goal I wanted. Like um, coming back from the summers previously with Galway, it, it it wasn't always that guaranteed 90 minutes. So that was the main goal I had coming back for this summer, just to work on that uh, match fitness and just have my 90 minutes every week. It's important to hear you say that as a as a player who's who's been around the league a long time now, because 
sometimes players look at which is the best team, which is going to be, give me the best chance of winning every weekend. How important is it for players just to have that match fitness, that consistency of being picked every week and knowing that they're going to play in the league to, to raise the standards across the board? Yeah, well, it's massively important. I don't think there's there's not much point in kind of going to the bigger teams, you could say, and just sitting on the bench every week. You have to be out there playing and getting the practice week in and week out. That's what, you, well, that's what makes you a better player. And that's what I was after myself. I just wanted to be playing every week. I wasn't really going to be happy with, you know, not the full 90 minutes. So that was kind of my main aim. It's it's massive, even just for exposure. You're looking at even like um, scouts coming to games, international coaches. They want to see you play. They don't want to see you sitting on the bench. So that was a big thing for me as well. Just uh, like, just wanted to play. That was the big thing. And how's life being in treaty? Obviously the league table shows one picture, but everybody who you know knows people in and around the club or knows people knows it's a completely different situation because it's a lot of overhaul there's been a lot of change in the background coaches have gone out players have gone out new players have come in younger players have come in how have you found adapting in with treaty and how is that how has how been you know being one of the more experienced players it's been since i've been back it's been great they're a very welcoming bunch they're a great team um with Don as well, I've had him up in Galway as well, so kind of had an idea of how he likes to train and his style, um, which I really enjoyed. The training sessions have been great. It is it is a young team, but there's a lot of potential there. Like there's there's a lot of girls who are involved with um, underage international teams and the home base training and stuff like that. So there there's a lot of quality there. It's just because of the age, it'll take time to gel a bit more and get more experience in the senior national league and things like that. But it's been good. The training sessions are great so far, and I've been enjoying it. So it's 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 going well. Talk to us a little bit about uh, your time in the states, because obviously you were in anyway Galway, or I'm not sure what they're calling it now these days. These institutions change their name every couple of years. But uh, you made the choice to go over to to America to I suppose Akron in Ohio. It's pretty cold at certain times of the year. Plenty of snow through the winter during the football season. It's a very different experience to, to Clare, Galway or Limerick on the western seaboard of Ireland. Yeah, I know. It's it's a massive change. Um, everything right across the board. Um, um, yeah, I, I transferred over in my third year of college and I was just looking for something new. And this opportunity came about and I said, not many people get to do it. So I, I would be stupid not to take it. And yeah, it's very different. The weather is definitely one of the big factors that you have to get used to. Um, you have the hot summers where it gets up to 30, 35 degrees. And then for most of the season, we're playing throughout uh, like September to December. So we're into the thick of winter winter, and yet a lot of snow, a lot of freezing conditions and stuff like that. We, you get used to it, you get climatized. We also had a, an indoor training facility, which we got a lot of use out, which made a massive difference as well. Do you miss the facilities? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're nice. They're like, yeah, that's one of the big differences again. Like, college sport in America is it's massive over there. It's, it's completely different to European college sport as well. They just um, it's, they put a lot of money into it. They have the big facilities, the everything that goes with it. So, yeah, you would miss it, but it's that's that's just what America is about. Like, they that's uh, how it is over there. But um, yeah, it was nice. As a player going over to America. What did you find was maybe your biggest adaption having to make because the style of football over in Ireland is completely different to the style in America? Um, yeah, I think, well, yeah, the style of football, definitely. Um, 
I think the in America there's a big emphasis on uh, the fitness, physicality, all that kind of thing. Um, so like the even uh, adjusting to the Monday to Saturday training like routine, we would uh, my first season there would be everyday training Monday to Friday. Some mornings up at six six thirty a.m. to get into the gym. It's it's different. It's it can be tough at the beginning, but I love doing it. Um, my first season there, we would play on Fridays and Sundays. So I think the biggest um, thing to adapt to was getting ready to go again on the Sunday. Like the muscles are sore, you're tired, but trying to ride yourself up again for that Sunday game. So it was just trying to fall into a routine like that. But over time, your body get used to it, and yeah, it becomes easier. I can't not ask. Oh, go ahead, Brian. No, I'm fired. I was can't I can't not ask because playing in America, you know, you do a lot of traveling. How do you get that sort of body ready for that Friday Sunday game? Because sometimes you're you're a home one and then you're away. You could be away several hours away. Yeah, well, definitely over time you do get used to it, but um, definitely like taking advantage of the the physios, the training rooms, the recovery things like that. Every day after training, we were always into the training room, getting any little bits done with the the athletic trainers, using like the use of the ice and hot tub stuff like that. So just getting yourself more into that routine, and again off off field work, like whether it's just stretching at home, extra bits like yoga and stuff. Just you have to build a routine for yourself that works for you, and it, you do get used to it over time. Like at the beginning, it is a little bit of a shock coming from kind of the Irish setup where we wouldn't have as much trainings during the week. But uh, yeah, it's just, it takes time, but it, it you have to be ready to dedicate yourself to that kind of routine as well, because it'll be tough if not. Ashley, you mentioned a couple of things there that I want to just remind you about and ask you a question related to a few of them. One is that you're finished college in the States. So you're back in Ireland full time now. And secondly, you talked about getting 90 minutes because there might be Irish coaches involved. Now, obviously you've been involved in Ireland squads before you won a couple of caps for Ireland. Um, is that part of the plan? Is that part of the reason why you're back in the league? Is an Irish future or an Irish international career part of where we can hope to see Ashling Media in the coming weeks and months, years? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I would love to be part of the setup again. It's definitely a goal that I have in mind again. So part of the coming to treaty was definitely like to have that exposure um, alongside just wanting to play every week. 90 minutes is it's invaluable to have you know you're practicing every week um it's just getting yourself out into the field every week uh, i think it definitely would be part of the plan i think um it's always a goal to go to the next level and keep getting myself better and yeah that's that's just the aim to always get to the next level keep pushing myself and like i if i'm not mistaken you were in that ireland squad that traveled to america when we in the rose bowl were you in that camp no, I wasn't with that one. No, I wasn't. No. You've been in, you've been in, you have been in some big camps as well, though. So that gave you that sort of taster, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was involved with some of the the World Cup qualifying campaign games in Portugal and Poland, and then a couple of um ones at home, training camps at home. So, yeah, like coming from the under nineteen setup to the senior setup, there was there was definitely that jump, but it was uh, it was an amazing experience to be part of, especially playing alongside. Uh, players who are at the professional level and you learn so much off of them and just being on the pitch with them every day there's just things you take away from them that you can't get, get anywhere else so yeah that experience was unreal 
in terms of, I suppose, the rest of the season, that's Limerick, or I say Limerick, three United's first point of the year, uh, very nearly three. And I know there was a couple of chances at either end throughout the game, but you nearly had a chance to snatch it yourself at the death. How 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 disappointing was it to see that ball just go right in the post? Yeah, that was a tough one. <laughs> there was there was a couple of opportunities throughout the game where we hit the old work and we were definitely creating a lot more chances than in previous games. But yeah, that one at the end that was just just millimeters wide from the from the post, so that was a tough one. But look, uh, you got to bounce back from it, learn from it, and don't let it happen again. <laughs> the one off the crossbar that crossed the line. Um, yeah, that's a controversial one. I won't I won't push it on that one. Listen, Ashling, uh, congratulations on uh, coming back to the league and it's great to have a, a player of your ability back in the league and, and definitely given an added bonus to a what had been a struggling treaty side and hopefully there'll be more points uh, like Saturday to come later in the season. Thanks very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks. Ashling Meany there of Treaty United. And it's time for another returning scholarship student to join us. Uh, someone uh, that we uh, that anyone in the league knows very well from over the last few years. And that is, of course, Rebecca Cook, known to most people as Bambi. But for some reason, her uh, her camera is not working with us right now. So we'll uh, try and get her back in. Um, if she wants to jump out of the, the broadcast and jump back in, maybe Sheila should come back in. But we'll go to her in a few moments. But uh, there she is again. Rebecca, second time lucky. Welcome to the show. There we go. Can you hear me and see me? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Um, in terms of first things first, is it Rebecca or is it Bambi? I mean, I think everyone in the league just knows it is Bambi at this point, so that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> okay, we'll work with that. Two goals at the weekend. You've got to be happy with that. The fact that they came against a, a Dublin derby against P-Mount and they were the two winning goals... It's just the icing on top of the cake, really. Yeah, I, I couldn't have asked for a better return to the league, to be honest. Um, Obviously, new club, kind of just back now for the summer and couldn't have thought of a better way to start my kind of new uh, short short enough journey with Bose. But yeah, I couldn't have thought of any better way to do it. I think the second goal is the pick of the goals for me. It was a, a some strike, a lovely cross in from Brown Kane and... What were you think? What were you thinking? You know, you score the first, you go to equalise, and then you score the second. That turns out to be the winner. What's the thoughts going through your head? You know, when you see that coming to you. To be honest, the reason probably that I was I was picking it up there was because I was wrecked. <laughs> like I was tired enough, and like I actually didn't make the run for it in the first place, and I just decided to ham hang back at the edge of the box and, um. Yeah, it just came to me and I said, listen, I'm just going to hit it first time. I did feel a bit of pressure from a player coming on to me and um, just said I'd hit it first time and end up in the goal. Now, Aaron asked this same question earlier to Ashton, but to you, people would associate you with, with shells having come through the ranks there. It's quite a surprise to see you wearing a, a tinge of black through that red on, on a show like this. Why Bohemians? And why would you make that decision to come back and play with Bose this year uh, for the summer? Um, so, obviously, last year I came um, home in summer, so I just signed with Shells. Um, similar enough to Ashling, I wanted, just while I'm home summer, to be getting game on my up, but I also wanted that high-standard coaching as well. 
And I think the best club for that for me was Bose, like obviously Sean, Pat, Cameron, all of them. I've been coached under them before with the Emerging Talent Programme. I knew what they were like kind of as coaches. Um, I knew a good few of the girls on the team as well. And I just, I thought for me that would be the best um, option in regards to playing time, in regards to kind of personal growth, and then in regards to what I can give to a team for the short time that I'm back. I know a lot of people, you know, see Sean Bourne. Sometimes he can be roaring on the sideline, for example. But I've been lucky. I've done a, I've done a piece about him in the FAI's book last year. And, you know, I've been lucky to get to know him. What's he like as a coach? Because I know Sean Bourne, the person. A lot of people maybe don't see the training park side of things. What's Sean like as a coach? Because he's been involved with their age setups as well. And how have you found? Was it, like, was it like easy to gel back in with him because you'd, been, you'd had experience before? Listen, like... a. A coach like Sean isn't in the FAI. He's not with Bose and he's not um, with Emerging Talents for no reason. Like He's a great coach. Um, I'd say he's an old-fashioned coach, but in the best way possible. Like I like the way he'll call you out straight away and tell you, um, make sure to do this next time. You'll make sure to do it. And he'll he'll take that on board that you did that straight away. Um, he would have been one of the bigger reasons that I did sign for the club as in I knew what type of coaching I was going to get from him and I think his coaching style definitely suits me as a player personally um, and I knew that because when I was younger I was in the emerging talent program with him for about two years so that was definitely a big factor for me going to Bose knowing the type of coaching he is he the way he coaches and also then the other coaches behind him as well. There's a couple of players that come into Bowes this year, and obviously you're the latest one to the to the roster. But the likes of Sinead Taylor, Katie Burgess, and others have Rachel Kelly even has come in and really brought a, a much larger experience from within the league to the club. Is that kind of part of of why we're seeing maybe improved performances, improved results from this Bowes side in the last six to twelve months? Definitely. Like personally, I think without the likes of uh, for. 100% Rachel Kelly, like, in my opinion, one of the best goalkeepers in the league, if not the best. First, her, her in the first half, if we didn't have her in the first half, she was unbelievable. Six or seven saves that were going in. And it's players like that in the first half that maybe you don't see, oh, we beat Team out 2-1. But Rachel Kelly probably was the reason that we were able to keep the 1-0 kind of it down to 1-0 halftime and then go on to win. And then especially like then you're coming to the last 15 minutes of the game. She knows the game management. She knows, you know, yourself, the time wasted and whatever. Um, and the like, same with... Um, time, time management, Rebecca. Time <laughs> management. You're not allowed to call it time management. Don't be so obvious. And, uh, the same with Sinead Taylor. Like she was... Like I've personally... I've never met uh, Sinead Taylor before, but she was great like on the pitch, like especially even, even up at training. Like it was really well, easy to get on with her. And... She's brilliant to have for the girls as someone kind of, obviously it's such a young squad. So that's kind of someone that has that experience in the league and has the knowledge of how games go and how to kind of see out results in the game. I think she was really important the other day in the game, especially for, we went 2-1 up, and I think it was the 79th minute. We still had 10 minutes plus five minutes extra time, four minutes extra time. So we still had 15 minutes to kind of hold off the PMAT team. And they could have easily gotten three and we all know the quality of PMAT. So they could have easily gotten three and then 15 minutes but I think as a squad and with that new kind of knowledge and experience brought into the team that's how we were able to do it two things for me first off Rachel Kelly's the most underrated goalkeeper in the women's national league I agree with that and secondly how many Shelburne players text you after that game a lot I won't, be, <laughs> I won't name names but 
Oh yeah, no, I yeah. Want, please, there please. Was, you knew that was coming. You knew that was coming. Um, yeah, a lot of impacts to me. And I, like, listen, I, sh I, sh I hold shells very close to my heart. Obviously, like all the girls, like obviously playing with them since I'm younger, wouldn't be where I am without them today. So, obviously, brilliant. 100% get the win for both but there was a little part of me that was just happy on the side of shells just like doing them a tiny bit of a favour indirectly because I know so many I know so many Shelburne players like I talk to them regularly that talk to you that holds you in high regard they talk about you know like I remember interviewing the likes of Pearl Slattery after the league last year and you were delighting me you got a mention even though you had you'd only been there for a short period but it's player you know and they hold players like that and in high regard and i'm sure you know they'd have been they'd have been delighted for you as well but were they not were any of them not nagging at you to try and get you to come to to shells instead of instead of swapping swapping the other side of north Dublin? see that was like my thing is like i never wanted the girls to be like kind of um oh you went there we didn't come here but i gave it a chance last year with shells and it's just the quality of shells is so high that when i was home in the summer I possibly could have been starting, but at the end of the day, I'm going back to America and Noel does have kind of loyalties to players who rightly so are going to be here for the whole season and that maybe he doesn't want to form a bad relationship because maybe, for example, if I started, they didn't, things like that. So I can definitely see it from Noel's side and I think the girls also could see that too and I think they knew my reasoning behind it. It wasn't because, oh, I just want to go play for Bose. I think there was good reasoning behind it and um, I'm still very close to all the Shells girls. Like I couldn't thank and them enough, especially per the likes of Pearl, Noel, Rachel, Graham, um, for all they've done for me throughout that. But that's why it was kind of extra special on the weekend, just indirectly to be able to just give them something just to, and like when they text me as well, like I literally was like, I was like, I'm so happy I could give you something back as well. Obviously, you're in touch with girls across the league on a personal level while you're in the States. Communication is an awful lot easier now than it might have been uh, 15, 20 years ago. And you get to watch games, but you get this kind of uh, maybe eight to 10 week window where you get to see what the league is like every year. And how much has changed this time around from maybe 10 months ago when, when you went back to the States for, for last season? Um, do, you, do you notice a difference between maybe the standards or the, the respect or the coverage of the league when you come back in after that little bit of a gap? I think the the kind of point where I realised it was even when I came back last summer and the likes of Aaron with the Women's National League show, I think that was a massive, massive thing for the girls, I think, in the league. I think that was kind of the first big step. Um, and then obviously the match has been streamed and then we've a few of the matches been on um telly and stuff but even that was just last year but even this year you see it more now like just with all the coverage things like this it's just it's great for girls to feel like i'm not just training two or three times a week and then i'm going to play a match and then that it's forgotten about you know like i think as a whole i think everyone like the likes of you guys and um, a lot of the coaches have done an awful lot for us in the league to be able to for me to be able to come back and say i'm part of a way more professional thing than I was when I was first here two years ago and that's what I'm saying to my coaches like in America I'm like obviously when I'm over in a professional environment over there but more and more as I come back every summer I come back I feel like it's getting more professional kind of closer to that level not just within the football but within in the media and the respect and yeah 
in terms of, I suppose, an add-on to that is both yourself and Ashlyn seem to be that little bit more mature maybe because of that experience you've had in those setups in the States and I suppose the life experience of moving away. You went slightly earlier than Ashlyn did. Uh, you're a couple of years earlier than she would have gone over there. And but you're, you're now back. Uh, I'm going to throw a number at you. You're 21 or so? 20? 19. 19. God, it made me feel so old. Um, I, I was going off when I was watching you in the under 17 league a couple of years ago. You must have been an absolute nipper in that particular year in 2018. Um, but the, the um, you, you seem to have a bit more maturity maybe than the average 19 year old, even within the league, has about what you need to get out of a, a return to the league. And that you're looking at game time, you're looking at coaching hours, you're looking at, I suppose, a little bit of attention maybe from that coaching staff that you might not get as easily in a perceived bigger club. Um, yeah. How important is it for girls maybe who are 17, 18, maybe doing the leave the next year or even this year and, and looking at different options and weighing up their what they're looking to do for the next three to four years of their life? Is it something that you would recommend to go take the plunge at, at 17, 18 like you did or, or maybe wait a couple of years and go for third or fourth year or even a master's? Would you have a recommendation on that for someone who's in that position you were in two, three years ago? Personally, the best thing I have done was going at the stage that I went at because I feel like I know a lot of people and I'm in contact with a lot of people that might have said, oh, yeah, I'll go next year. But next year turns into every year, so I'll go next year, I'll go next year. I think the best thing I ever done was just saying I'm going, sign the papers and go because once you get over there, like I know nine times out of ten, you love it. But it's also like if you're going to like stay here, then and you want to stay in the league, then you also have to get that sorted out as well. Like at 17, 18, at Shells, Piedmont, Galway, are, if you're not getting 90 minutes, do you stay there? Do you leave? It, it, there's a lot of complications at that age, especially when you're leaving school, you're not sure what you're going to do with college, etc. But um, it, it also depends on kind of your own personality. Like obviously I was used to traveling with Ireland 17s, 19s, seniors a few times and being away from home, but I know there's a lot of girls who it takes them a, a year or two maybe to mature a bit more to be able to go over. Um, so personally, I'd say go as soon as you can, but it does depend on kind of how you are as a person, how mature and responsible you feel. Just two things on that. How do you decide what college to go with? And is it a little bit disappointing maybe that we don't have something in play, bar, maybe bar UCD, for the rest of the colleges in the country to maybe get them players to sort of stay and play national league ready because we see a, a mass exodus near the year yeah um i think the biggest thing the biggest difference i see in america is that like there's girls kind of saying i'm gonna go to school here and i'm gonna play football here and it's like once you're there you're there and your training and your football is all intertwined like you've say or your class and your football is all intertwined so you've your say of your class from nine till 12 and you're training specifically from one to four but here if you say lectures all day and it interferes with your training and then you have to travel across the county to go to training i think that's kind of the biggest thing difference is like it's kind of like it's so independent like your football and your school is so independent from each other here as comparison to it's all intertwined in america and I think if there was something put in place that 
I know obviously DLR have a, have a connection, but there's something more kind of concrete put in place for girls to be able to say, right, I'm going to play here, I'm going to go to college here, and I'm not going to have interferences between the two. Yeah, absolutely. And this week, of course, uh, back in action again. Um, how do you think that's going to play out? Can you get a, another win on the bounce? I know your uh, trip down to Athlone, they've just come off a final run of form, but they've six wins and seven. Um, thoughts on how that's going to go? Don't an enough trip at the moment. Yeah, um, I've played against that loan a few times. They're definitely not an easy side to play against. I think everyone in the league know that they're hardworking. Um, I think even when I was with Shells, we never had an easy game against them. Um, but I think coming off the back, we're also obviously coming off, coming off the back of a good win. Um, I think we have just need to keep the standards up, I think. And I think we've definitely a good chance. We've good chance now against Atlone and Dior and next week to hopefully pick up some more points and just get ourselves higher up in the league and start building the confidence um of the team together. Well, listen on that one, Rebecca, Bambi, whatever way you want to be addressed. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Welcome back to the league. Congratulations on a fine performance last weekend and I'm sure it won't be the last time uh, we see your name on the score sheet or on the winner's podium for the season ahead. Thanks very much for dropping in. Thanks a lot. Bye. Aaron, another fantastic uh, return to the league there. Uh, Rebecca Cook, Bambi, as she says herself, known to most people. Uh, and one of those people she's known to is a kind of a former teammate, <laughs> Shona Cook, who joins us now. Shona, we were talking to you off air about this. Um, yourself and, and Rebecca were chatting about it, and you kind of cross paths, but not really, is probably the best way of putting it. Yeah, I was actually helping um, the under 17s coaching staff at Shells when Rebecca, I, I can't call her Bambi, uh, when Rebecca was uh, under 17s. Um, and the hardest thing to do was get her to stop talking. So it's uh, it's it's like, uh, it was what felt like I was watching a, a different player there. She's so mature. And um, yeah, I think, as you said, Bref, the experience away for her has helped her mature. Um, and it's, it's great to see. I'm, I'm delighted for her. Before Aaron jumps in, I better give you your proper introduction because we kind of botched it there uh, to, to get a nice little segue. Of course, Shauna Cook, former Ireland international league winner, FAI Women's Cup winner, uh, every domestic honour in the game, Raheem United, Shells, St. Francis even for a little spell, but of course also experienced a bit of the international scene uh, in Arsenal with the academy there back in the day and durham a brief spell there too so you've you've had a, a long um standing career in the game you've pretty much done done it all shauna at this stage in the domestic game and on the irish scene yeah a bit of a journey woman <laughs> well we won't go with that aaron over to you yeah absolutely listen i've i've been i've been lucky enough i'm gonna say to to watch the tail end of shauna's career you know and see see her still win silverware and even even to this day we've had the conversation earlier i still think she could do it in the, in the national league shauna disagrees but i still i still think she could and you know it's great to see like shauna at the moment she's not involved she's not co she's not involved in coaching in the national league but she's involved and she does like the loa tv for shelburne i think that's important because i love listening listening to shauna i love commentating on the game of shauna because you always get a good insight you know you get you when shells are frustrated when frustrating shauna you can see she'll she'll tell you and she'll tell you why she think what she thinks to do and i just think you know anytime anybody listens to her just oozes passion for for the league and it's important you know we have these sort of people still in and around the league and 
continuing to help this to help the league grow. Thankfully, I am back on commentary with Sean on Saturday, so I'll get to listen. I'll get to listen to her the weekend. But for, yeah. in terms of for me, Shauna, like you've watched the league come full circle. You've watched players come and go. Uh, the adamant people in terms of what needs to be done next for the league. If we're assessing it right now, how do you assess the state the status of the league in terms of the health of the league? Yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely a lot better than what it was, and I think year on year, it's ground. It was a bit of a, a dip there for a few years, um, and I was kind of worried that it'd go off a, a cliff edge. But um, it seems like the FAI have got um, the right people involved. You know, it, it's step by step. But um, you know, I, I do think now, um, as you said, Aaron, like uh, if we want to push the league on, we have to have that critical eye as well. Like we can't always just continually talk about the positives and the unicorns and the rainbows and everything else. Like we have to actually talk about the stuff that's going to help drive the, the league on. And um, so I think I think, you know, we're we're in a, a good place, but the, the caliber of player that we have and the players that we're producing, the clubs are producing year on year um, and the investment. Now, I'm not talking about financial investment because I know not all clubs are 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 kind of on the same level now but just the 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 personal investment coaches managers players are making um and the demands now that that um players have on themselves like i do think we have to start um pushing for a higher standard of the league um and for uefa and and um the fai to you know commit to investing in turning the league semi-pro or taking more steps to to kind of um improve the the um the league as a whole and for me the aim should be and it should be a strategy the fai to retain players you know year on year from the league we shouldn't have just you know come june or the, the end of the season just a whole load of players going um i i don't want to get into to it with with the fai but i don't think uh, the strategy should be to outsource our development and our um you know um like I suppose playing for for players we should be taking more responsibility for 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 that here and each time a player leaves we should see that as as a failing because I've been I've been um involved in the league a long time and you know when I was at Arsenal with some of the girls Dutch girls and the Belgian girls uh, over there their federation told them to come home and um, at that time England had a reasonably strong league the Dutch league wasn't very strong and it was just come home we want to strengthen our league that's it so yeah room for improvement in my in my opinion you mentioned that you've been around the league a long time you probably even predate the league no more than myself shauna i think we first crossed paths i'm, I'm gonna throw a, a date out there sometime around 2006 and um, memory serves i think we faced off i was on the bench for ucd uh, in a cup game where we beat rahini on, on a, we didn't do it that often. Rahini <laughs> kind of took over after that, but it was. It, I, I distinctly remember playing against yourself, Diane Caldwell. Uh, Lynn Bradley was in that team as well, and there was some really good young players coming through um, that club at that point. Uh, morphed into shells, and they've kind of well, they won the league last year. They've been there there around over the last few years or whatever. But in terms of the differences back then, back then facilities were a huge problem potentially the the experience and, and ability of the coaching of each of the teams was a huge problem we've pretty much sorted that we look now at the venues we play in back then 
UCD played in Belfield Park, but they were probably the exception. He played in a public park in Rahini. Others did the same. Catherine's uh, would have been a, a bigger side at the time. They would have played in the public park as well. And, and now we see it kind of where what would have been one of the better facilities, although Piedmont weren't where they are now, um, are now one of the weaker ones. Shamrock Rovers coming into the league potentially next year is going to increase that again. And But the that compensation for money for players leaving the league, that's been something you've been talking about a lot over the last few months and years. But I know a lot of clubs are starting to kind of knock on the door and go, well, hang on a minute, we're putting 10 years into these girls and we're losing them at 18, 19, 20, even 23, 24, for an absolutely nothing. We get no return back, whereas for a male equivalent, they would be getting tens of thousands of euros for no less work. Yeah. Hardly seems fair. Yeah, like you look at someone like Katie McCabe, um, you know, who's now, you know, one of the best players in the uh, WSL. Last season, Shells obviously lost the likes of Jamie Finn, Emily Whelan, Keir Grant. Um, God, I could go on for forever. Um, this year, obviously, it's Sarah Noon and it's, um, you know, potentially players like Chloe Mustaki. And it, it, to me, it just doesn't make sense for the, the FAI to kind of pretend that it's 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 not a big deal. Um, it is a big deal. I, I can't speak for the other clubs. I know Shells invest a lot um, in the players to ensure, you know, that they have the right uh, care off the pitch. They're supported. Um, and like the club are really happy when that player makes the, the step like earlier on granty announced she's moving to hearts and you know the, the club are, are putting stuff out on twitter Um, there was talk of it in a, a whatsapp group earlier Um, but like i just think it's so important because even i i heard um last year james and talking about it um as well about like it's it it just cripples the clubs um and there's this kind of idea that like, oh, you know, you should have under 19s or 17s if you have a good uh, underage set up, there should be somebody to, to step in. I don't buy that. Um, I think you got to move players on at the right time for the player um, when they're, they're ready. You shouldn't have to push somebody from 17s or 19s into a first team because you've lost the player. So, yeah, I, I, it's something that I'm trying to keep the, the conversation going with because I, I, I think if we can start to get compensation for players going to England, the next step after that will be is when um, WNL play, uh, clubs exchange players or players move from club to club. That can also you know become a, a, a way for, for clubs to get compensated and, and it rightly should. Um, as you said there, Refni, if, if it's replicated in the men's game, we should be aiming for that in the women's game. No disrespect intended to to some of the players, but like when you see players go abroad, and it's it's as if it's to say, "F you, you played in that league. I don't care. I'm just going to nab you for nothing." When you know players deserve better than that themselves to know that they're being recognised for even what they've done. Like the the, the same thing goes in terms of like players as well. Some players go and they take very little money as well for the opportunity and that's why the clubs are, are, are like i can get you in a cheap deal or i can get you but sometimes when they do that they don't even look the player doesn't even get the best of opportunities when they go abroad and i think that would sort of help because you look at the likes of james the banquet from from pat's going to udinese he's being looked after off the field as well as on the field and pats are being looked after but i think for me personally like I think we've lost Aaron, unfortunately. His uh, 
the two rural dwellers and myself and Sean, I have managed to keep the internet going. Aaron has dropped out there. We'll Can you hear me? Am I back? Yeah, you're, you're, you're back. You're back. Yeah, uh, for, me, it just, for me, I just think it's not about the clubs looking to make money. It's about the clubs looking to sustain and be be able to reinvest that money back into the structures that have come. Like Abby Larkin, for prime example, people were talking about her last year. Oh, throw her in because this player's gone or this player's gone. Sometimes you're, having, you're, you're seeing that they're rushing trying to get these sort of players in. Whereas they should be all a smooth development. Like Abby has, Abby has the most pressure on her now because she's been called into Ireland squads and capped by by Vera Pell. At seventeen, you know, there's so much pressure being put on these younger players now. The likes of a Jesse Stapleton. Whereas if we had the proper structures in place, we'd be able to just say, "Hold on, let's put it, put the brakes on." And I'm going to give him his credit. Noel King isn't afraid to say, "You're not ready for this game. I'm just going to take it. I'm not going to play it today. There's more days to come." And he's aware, and that's for me, that sort of helps as well when we're in this battle, that we've got managers and coaches that aren't just going to sling a player in because somebody says, oh, oh we need to play this player, get them into the shop window, so they, they may get their move abroad. The, the managers have a, have a much of an impact to be able to s- slow that down, slow that player's growth down, and I think that's important as well. But for me, the league has to move on, and it's something, like I said, with Bambi earlier, like we don't even have the opportunities, even for the players maybe and things like that to try and keep them in Ireland we're just losing them out the door as well and until we have a serious conversation where we have a strategic plan that's based around sustainability and growth rather than just for me setting an ambitious target of having the two leagues by 2025 is irrelevant I'd rather see 10 teams 12 teams be sustainable and be able to have their funding and have their things in place that they can grow the next Ireland international and grow the next player because then once they grow that player, then they'll come into the first team, then they'll help Ireland. So it's not just about the short term, the quick fix. We need to we need to be looking at this in a longer term picture. And I think potentially looking at the the monitoration for, for players as well is, is probably one of the first steps. Shona, in terms of, I suppose, recent developments uh, off the pitch at, at Talker Park, particularly in the Save Talker Park uh, campaign, I know you were uh, a big supporter of that as well. How important is that for women's football in both Bohemians and Shelburne that they're now accommodated in a, in a reasonably decent facility? Maybe it might be the old singing, old dancing one we, we were sold three or four years ago, but we now have two clubs who can, who can cater for all the teams at senior level in those clubs. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Um, like, you know, I, I have to, I can't speak on behalf of Bowes, but in terms of shells and um, the people that are working in the background there, the, the um, you know, a few years ago, 2018, we spoke about the women's team playing at, at Talca Park and becoming a, a, a weekly or bi-weekly fixture at Talca Park. And um, the whole concept of it was that you know we could give access to to young girls and boys to come and watch games and we could kind of push the the um women's team on um and and give them a home you know in, in fairness as you said there Rahini kind of morphed into shell so a lot of the players and people in the background would have been rocking the boat as opposed to getting in and when the boat boat was, was rocking um but I, I think that uh, like it's it's brilliant, you know. It was one of the questions I know Shelburne, um, the likes of Shane Dawson and the, and the lads behind uh, Save Talca Park. It was one of the big questions they had to Dublin City Council during the the, the talks was like, will the women's team be considered? Um, and Dublin City Council came back with, well, 
they weren't originally um, in the plans. And that was really scary because when you look at the north side um, of Dublin, other outside um, Talca Park and Daly Mount, there's not really any, in my opinion, um, top quality facilities that we should be holding National League matches at. Maybe underage, under 19, 17 is fine, but not, not um, senior international match or senior um, National League matches. Um, they sh there should be stands. Stands should have seats, good toilets. Um, and easy to get to so you know it's so important that the women's teams continue to play there and the clubs invest in it um so yeah it, it's a fantastic uh, bit of news and you know the, the next step now is to to try and increase attendance week on week absolutely and i suppose definitely yeah just just on that one i i we i done an interview for this podcast with pearl slattery after after one of the games it took me nearly a half an hour to get the interview because kids were surrounding her, asking for autographs, photographs, you know. And that's, to me, what the National League is all about. Having these young kids, their day out, getting the photographs, getting the autographs signed by all the players. To me, that's what the league is about. Absolutely. And I suppose that's why this show exists. It's why we do what we do to try and promote the, the league. I know, Aaron, you've been that lone soldier around the league for a long time as well. So... Uh, kudos to you on that. Uh, Shona, thanks very much for dropping in. We're way over time, but I think it was important to get uh, the chat in with you. Thanks very much for joining us, and I'm sure it won't be the last time we see you here on the platform. Cheers, lads. Now, Shona Cook there, of course, uh, a long-time campaigner within the league as a player, as an advocate, as a promoter. Uh, great to see her still involved commentating now with Aaron, as he mentioned. We might well get a second plug in for you uh, that game on Saturday afternoon. Bradley, just on, I don't think she gets the credit she deserves for even because she was one of them who, who went and plugged the women's side of that South Talca Park massively. Shauna was, I don't think she gets the credit she deserves. She was vocal on social media constantly. Look at what she's done for her sport and put Olivia O'Toole into their Hall of Fame. Because she isn't in the FAI Hall of Fame. Shauna Cook helped to drive that campaign. I think her influence in the women's game, she's somebody who we need to have massively involved in the future of the women's game. Absolutely. We didn't even mention her dad, Derek, who was probably the protagonist for that side that came through Rahini um, back in the mid-90s as well. And they came like a rocket from the lower leagues right up to the top league and the top table of, of football. Um, and I think I don't think shells in their current form would exist without the Cook family. Maybe Derek might not have been as motivated had Shona not been coming through as well. But listen, uh, it's great to see uh, her still involved in the game. Obviously, uh, we go back a long way, as we mentioned, uh, from a, a coach and player point of view as well over the years through her uh, university days. We didn't quite get into that, but anyway, it is what it is. In terms of the games this weekend, of course, a full round of fixtures, as always, this weekend. The men's have a, a weekend off. They... Uh, or are they back this week? I'm not quite sure. No, the men are off. The, the men are off this yeah, weekend. The men are off. They're on holiday. They're all over the place. I saw Jack Byrne in Dubai and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> None of that for the ladies. Uh, the fair sex back in action on Saturday afternoon. One early kickoff in the showgrounds. Westford Utes make that long, long journey up to Sligo to play Rovers in the game at noon. Early kickoff on uh, Saturday afternoon. While the rest of the games all... I'm about to say throw in there, but that's a different sport. Kick off at 5 p.m. Uh, Shells host Galway. DLR Waves make the journey to Treaty United. Piedmont United do battle with Cork. Just, just a quick one on this one. It's actually in Turner's Cross rather than Pierre.
Oh, okay. There was, there was a recent update. I only, I only, I just literally double checked there because I was like, I thought I seen that just to be safe. Um, and yeah. there was a recent FAI thing just to say that the games game would be moved. So I, I okay, assume so on switch, yeah. And then at Lone Town host Bose, as we talked about earlier in the show. And uh, let's take a quick look at, at the uh, the league tables as they stand at the moment. If I can uh, add them in here to the system, that'd be great. Uh, Shells, as you mentioned, a nice healthy gap at the top of the table from their point of view they lead the league table by seven points just those one drop one defeat in their 12 games that game of course to dlr a couple of weeks ago they have 33 points and then wexford beginning to just edge that little bit ahead of the chasing pack but there's a really nice for me competition gathering there between third and sixth that lone goal with Piedmont dlr they all seem to be in the mix and any couple of results sees them leapfrog each other cool. and then, i always come back into that I, I don't think so, if I'm being honest about it. Maybe with the the likes of Bambi back in the sky for a couple of, of games, if they beat Athlone this weekend, potentially they will close that gap to DLR, but I think it just might be a bridge too far, but possibly. And then I think Sligo, Cork and Treaty um, will probably finish in that order in the bottom three places, which I think is actually a pretty good result for Sligo, given maybe the expectations of everybody, themselves included, coming into the season. Absolutely, I agree with you. But the one staff from that that's standing out to me, Breffany, is the teams in and around Shelburne, 15 goals conceded, 12 goals conceded. Shells have only one goal in 12 games, which is still the goal against the Earl Waves, which is mag- which is mental. We haven't seen that in the National League for a long, long time. It's been mad. It's been absolutely mad. And, of course, Amanda Budden, Nowhere to be seen on the nominations for player of the month. Although, come here, if if you ask Noel King, Noel King says he he won't talk about the likes of clean sheets because he says there's more to it and there's more, you know, it's it's metrics. All Noel wants is Noel wants three points every week. No, no, wouldn't care if nobody gets player of the month, team of the week. If he gets three points every week, and you know, and I think them sort of stats. When your when your defense is so good, can be a bit misleading as well. But Amanda Budden has probably already won that by now. I'd say. Yeah, you you gotta love the uh, you gotta love the clean sheet stats. But I think Noel, old school, he'll take three points every week. Uh, a triple threat at the top of the league table: uh, Ellen Malloy, Anya Gorman, and Emily Corbett, all with ten strikes to their name this season. While Kylie Murphy and uh, Stephanie Roach, and then a couple of players back on five: uh, Sinead Taylor, Saif Doyle, Noel Murray, Emma Doherty, Saoirse Noonan, and then a few more on four behind them. If we look at the clean sheet statistics. We have those nine clean sheets for Amanda Budden. She, of course, missed a couple of games earlier in the season. Um, so she has nine clean sheets in 10 appearances. Eve Badana, five from 12. Neve Coombs, Abigail Ronayne, and Maeve Williams with four each with Amanda McQuillan. Uh, we've given her three on the system. She technically only played started two. We've, we've given them an extra clean sheet because the two girls got them into she, one game. She won a half sure. time in one, didn't she? she yeah, I'm not quite sure the league. Yeah, I'm not sure how the legalities of that work in terms of the count. We've given them each one because they, they didn't concede when they were on the field. Just, just on that one there, Nivri Burke, two clean sheets. We spoke about it's not it's not necessarily the goalkeeper situation. It's not necessarily Neve is a smashing goalkeeper, but it just shows how how many how the female defence has struggled this season. Nine games they've conceded goals in and previous seasons PMAT would have been top if you had have added the two goalkeepers clean sheets together. Absolutely, I think a credit as well to Amy Matten, Sligo Rovers, just underneath the knee of there. Uh, two clean sheets on the bounce for her in the last two weeks. Wexford in town this week, it's going to be a bigger challenge 
but can she hold off on that? Kristen Sample out for the foreseeable future. Um, there's a, a reasonably long-term injury there, so she may or may not be back uh, later on in the season. But Aaron, that is it for the week for us. We've gone over the hour. We don't like doing it, but we have done tonight. We're about three or four minutes late. So my OCD is going to kick in in a couple of minutes. But listen, as always, a pleasure to uh, the, our guests today. Fantastic show to Ashling Meany of Treaty United, uh, to Bambi of both, doesn't even get a surname anymore, just Bambi, Rebecca <laughs> Cook, of course, and her namesake, but not related, Shauna Cook. Uh, they joined us uh, today on the show. It's been a pleasure. We'll be back with you again next week. Uh, talk to you then.